It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch. Uh, continuing on here, hour two of the program here on this Saturday morning. We talked in the open about uh, Big League Utah, the consortium put together by the Larry H. Miller group of companies led by Gail Miller, obviously, trying to bring Major League Baseball to this market. Now, they obviously have a n- bunch of business leaders, government leaders. But they also have what they're calling celebrity leaders, and that's sports uh, figures. Ty Burrell of Modern Family fame is actually on this list as a consortium. Huh. He owns two restaurants. Um, well, one's a pub. It's like a German pub oh, okay. here in downtown. He's also also business interests in, in Park City, where I think he at least has a home. I don't know if he he might reside there full time, but he's invested in this community. It's I know yeah. a lot of people know who Tyrell is, but he's got yeah he's got multiple, I guess eateries. I guess we could call them mm-hmm. his interests that way. Uh, but he's involved. But also sports figures. Mm-hmm. They had John Buck up there on, on the stand, Dale Murphy, who we had on with DJ and PK earlier this week as well, as well as Jeremy Guthrie. And you're probably thinking, well, Jake, why are you not have? Why are you going to play an interview with Jeremy Guthrie when you had Dale Murphy on the show? The reason I'm playing the one from Jeremy Guthrie is because the it essentially looks like it's going to be Portland and Salt Lake City competing as what Gail Miller said is for a Western expansion franchise. I had never heard this before this. This is news to me is that they believe that there is going to be a Western team and an Eastern team, meaning that Nashville and Charlotte, who are out on the east side of the country, are considered to be the front runners for expansion on that side of the country. Because we all thought that it was going to be this group of Montreal, Charlotte, Nashville, Salt Lake City, Portland fighting out for two spots. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's, it's west and east. So that means that Portland and, and Salt Lake City are now squaring off. And obviously they're both going to be posturing. We've seen it on social media. <laughs> but Jeremy Guthrie is a big league pitcher who spent a decade plus. He won a World Series ring with the Kansas City Royals. He coached, uh, not coached, he played at BYU. Went on an LDS mission, then went to Stanford, then went to the big leagues. Uh, as you'll hear him say, he actually spent uh, at least, uh, I think he's, he'll hear, the better part of a decade, his home base in the offseason was in Utah. Hmm. But now he lives back up in the Portland area where he is from originally. It's where he played high school ball and the like. So he knows what Portland's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But he's part of big league Utah. Why? Hey, yo. Why? Well. Well, let's you hear right now. Here you go. Jeremy Guthrie with DJ and PK. You have an intriguing background. I'm really interested to talk to you. You grew up in Oregon. 
college, you pitched at BYU and Stanford, and then you off and you were in the major leagues for a long time, pitched into your mid to late 30s there. And now you're retired and you're living in Oregon and Las Vegas and Salt Lake and Portland and Vancouver have all been mentioned as potential homes for future major league teams. But you're not working with Portland. You're working with big league Utah. Why is that? How'd you get involved? Well, I lived in Utah for a number of years, uh, both as a college student and, of course, during my playing career, we called Pleasant Grove home for about seven off-seasons and, and have a tremendous network in Salt Lake City and the Utah Valley. Uh, a group, The group uh, that is running the coalition, heading up the coalition, includes a number of very close friends, and so it was a really easy partnership for them to reach out to me and invite me to be a part of the coalition. I'm really pleased and and grateful that they would uh, see me as a part of that team. And it's been a lot of fun thus far in just a, a short amount of time. But since you're living in Oregon, can you only go out at night? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can only go out at night. It's beautiful here right now. 65 degrees, sunny. The grass is green. The mountains are covered in snow, and we're only uh, at 8 a.m. So life is good <laughs> in Oregon. From our perspective... Having read this for a long time, and, and we PK lived in Arizona, we both lived in Southern California, and having followed Major League Baseball for a long time, watching these, these markets grow, there is a pattern to how you get a team. And the press conference signals to all of baseball, government's aligned, business leaders are aligned, the real estate, we've got it. These are all things that have sidetracked stadium projects in other cities and states how much do you think getting that message out there that all these things are aligned moves utah towards the front of the line if not to the front of the line well you're right there's a big equation for major league baseball and i don't think it's the perfect science as to how they award a team but things are the most important things to them of course is the business side of it can the can the team thrive survive and have the support in the local community and so the things you mentioned are hugely important uh, to Major League Baseball. And there are things, frankly, that have been discussed already, which is why the Big League Utah Coalition is taking this huge step that they've taken this week by announcing that they are you know, in the mix for this, for a potential Major League team when that comes down the road. But uh, Utah is healthy. It has a tremendous economy. It has a vibrant, young um, population base. Clearly, it has the land and the beauty uh, to really attract people, not just to have baseball, but to really attract someone to want to come. And so a lot of what Major League Baseball is looking for is right there in Utah. And it's not there, not just there, but it's, it's there in um, abundance. From the western portion of the United States perspective, as far as an expansion, is it too simple to say that it's Portland versus Salt Lake? Yeah, I don't think that's the way Major League Baseball sees it. Um, I think they just they look at travel, they look at um, the financial state of each location, they look at the probably the social state of each location, and they determine how it goes. So, you know, Portland is a closer venue to Seattle if they were looking for natural, um, what do they call that? Rivalry. Natural rivalries. Uh, Vancouver, BC, potentially could be a city that. I've heard. I, I, I'm speaking totally ignorantly about who's who else. We're not totally worried about who else is out there, if that makes sense. Uh, the conversation with Major League Baseball were that if Salt Lake were a location that wanted us, knowing what we know about Salt Lake in, in the greater Utah area, 
we are interested. That's Major League Baseball's stance. So I don't think the Big League Utah Coalition is, quote-unquote, concerned about other cities. They're worried about presenting themselves the best way possible. And, you know, Salt Lake City clearly could be a natural rivalry for a team like Colorado, uh, even a team like Las Vegas, which I think everyone assumes is going to be uh, the first team potentially to get a Major League organization in their location. So uh, national rivalries, they'll happen some way, shape, or form. It's most important just to be prepared financially um, to be able to support and sustain a major league franchise. When the coalition announced it and the dirt shoveling and the renderings, you know, we talked about it. It generated buzz uh, as far as that goes. My concern, I'm a big baseball guy, is obviously I want to see this happen. What is next for the coalition to keep the push out there as opposed to, okay, you had your little 15 minutes, so to speak, and then we don't really hear about it more? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think Portland, the PDX baseball project, is a perfect example of that. I've lived in Portland. Well, I moved to Portland in 2016, and their their coalition was already organized and had been for, I believe, a few years prior to my arrival in 2016, and the noise was loud. I saw Russell Wilson um, as a member of the coalition putting his name and likeness out there and his wife, Sierra, the the musician and artist, was right along with him. Um, A number of other prominent people in the community. And so their their noise was really loud. It was was a project that they felt very confident about in talking with local people here when I moved. And now I haven't heard much about it in the two years since I moved back. So um, is it possible for it to be loud and noisy at the beginning and then to hear nothing, whether it's going well or not? I think the answer is yes, because what can you do? If Major League Baseball knows about your market, they know your financials, they understand the details, and they like you, but they're not expanding, then it doesn't really matter. And so really any, any city, any coalition uh, is at the mercy of Major League Baseball and their expansion. And it's, it's, they've been very clear, I think, with the public that, they have two really important decisions they need to make first before anything happens, and that is where do the Oakland Athletics play their baseball games moving forward and where do the Tampa Bay Rays play their baseball games moving forward. And until those two uh, issues are resolved and the stadiums are built uh, to the liking of Major League Baseball and the organizations, then there will be no expansion. And I speak that of my own words. Those aren't the words of Rob Manfred that I'm aware of, but that's what I understand. Those two dominoes have to fall. And so Salt Lake City... Charlotte, Nashville, Las Vegas, Portland, and so on and so forth, Montreal, whomever else I've heard, everybody is at the mercy of Major League Baseball making moves themselves. And so once Major League Baseball recognizes Utah for what it is, if nothing happens on their side, it could go quiet for quite a while. And I think that's okay. The Big League Utah Coalition understands that. They just needed to put their foot forward, demonstrate all the things that are out there, and let that be. And there'll be meetings Um, as soon as next week directly with Major League Baseball and members of the coalition. And so I think maybe that will come into focus a little bit more once those meetings are happening. How does this work on baseball's end? Did they have a committee looking at this? Will they send people out to look at sites? Because it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to drive around or I can't really visualize baseball owners riding light rail, but to ride light rail from the airport and see that's where the stadium would be. This is how long it takes to get to downtown. So you really get a feel for how everything fits together. That's a great question. I don't know uh, how much homework they do in terms of on-site 
travel and observation. Uh, maybe that's a question that can be asked in those meetings with Major League Baseball. How much can be a benefit for the cause to have somebody like Gail Miller, who has a 30-plus-year track record of outstanding ownership of a professional franchise at the highest level, be as far as in your on your side, in your corner, advocating uh, for potential ownership? Well, that's huge. The ownership will make a vote uh, when when this does get to the point of decision time. The owners vote on on these topics and these questions, and certainly having someone like Gail Miller as the potential lead owner or, or majority owner of the organization makes a big difference. Um, I, I've heard of votes that go against potential owners and pot- potential ownership of a club. So having her as a reputable, um, experienced owner will go a long way in, in making Utah an attractive market. Jeremy Guthrie joining us, pitched for BYU and Stanford, pitched in the major leagues, living in Oregon, but working with the big league Utah coalition. So how often does the coalition meet? What kind of tasks do you have going forward? What can you do to move this forward? Because obviously some of this is on MLB's timeline, and that can't be changed. So what are you doing individually and as a group going forward here? Yeah, there are meetings regularly, whether those are virtual or in person. The coalition is spread out. Um throughout the United States, if you take a look at, at a lot of the names there. Um, so there's a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls. And what can be done again? Um, I think the greatest thing that the coalition most likely can do at this point to move things forward is just to continue to maintain an open dialogue with Major League Baseball, um, with, whether that's with the commissioner, the deputy commissioner, um, other business leaders at Major League Baseball. Just keep that conversation always alive. Um, be aware of what it is they're thinking, if there are things that need to be done, and to obviously respond. And and there will be no problem with the Big League Utah Coalition responding uh, promptly to any of those needs or requests as they come along. Do you have any idea what MLB's timeline is? I don't. I don't. I'm not sure they have any idea what their timeline is. Um, This has been a topic of discussion, that being the Rays and and the Oakland Athletics for some five or six years, maybe even longer. Maybe I'm shortchanging how long that's been a, a hot topic for them. But I was a player myself when conversations about the need to determine if Oakland would get into a stadium in California or if they would move and to where they would move, I was playing, and that was back in 2015. Um, and here we are in 2023. So if I were a, if I were a fan of, in any of these markets, um, you know, Las Vegas especially, where the, the – the opportunity is much more, uh, I think it's safer to say it's a nearer opportunity for them. I would still have to harbor my emotions and harbor my anticipation because I don't think Major League Baseball can really put a timeline on when they're going to make these decisions, or at least they've chosen not to. Yeah, having uh, having family in Northern California, man, Oakland complained about a ballpark, was going to build in the parking lot. They were going to build it in San Jose. That's the Giants' territory. The Giants wouldn't play ball with them. Back to the parking lot. Now they're looking at the waterfront site. Uh, I think how long you think it's been going on depends on how seriously you think these other talks and discussions were. I think Oakland ownership has been looking to get out of that building for like 20 years. Doesn't mean they've had it. Now, now they have it in higher a higher gear, and I think you're right about that. That that higher gear has been in, in the last six to eight years, but uh, 
man, they've they've wanted out of that building for a long time. But it does feel like it's 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 picking up steam and coming to a head here. But like you, I'd hesitate to hesitate to pick a number. Just a couple of baseball questions aside from the business questions. Uh, as a pitcher at altitude and with everybody talking about what's happened in Colorado, how would Utah fit into that discussion? Would pitchers want to pitch in Utah? It's not as much elevation. Is that enough of a difference? Will it be a hitter's, hitter's ballpark because of the altitude? What do you think? Well, I think altitude will play a role in in the ballpark and the outcomes in uh, the same way it has in Colorado. So will pitchers want to come to Utah? I, I don't know. I, I think pitchers want to pitch in the major leagues and pitchers want to earn millions of dollars. And if there's an additional team to offer that, they'll come. Uh, if you pay them, they will come. Just like if you build it, they will come. So, um, you know, Colorado's had great success. They've learned how to how to manage. They've had times of, you know, they've had times of great success. So the equation to make, uh, to build a good team, to, to play uh, competitive baseball, I don't think the altitude is going to, uh, it may affect it and make it look a little different, but I don't think it will limit it or, or stop it. So you'll get pitchers there that, uh, in fact, I've seen some of the pitchers right now for Colorado. They're very effective. So there are plenty of pitchers that can, can pitch effectively there in the way that, science and baseball is right now probably bodes well for high altitude teams you know, in the old days it was kind of like figure out how to make it work in in the high altitude now they probably have equations and numbers and all kinds of stuff as to what makes an actual successful pitcher at altitude it wouldn't surprise me i don't know of it but uh, baseball is just highly highly advanced where every movement and activity and choice is based off of some kind of number that's been generated by actual data from the way the baseball acts and moves once it's thrown and hit. I want to ask you about college baseball here. It it seems like our teams haven't been able to take off. You have experience. uh, You played here for a bit before you went on to Stanford, and then you hear, well, it's cold weather. Well, the softball teams at both Utah and BYU, the weather ain't any better for them, and they're good. And then where you live now, Oregon and Oregon State have both had uh, moments, particularly obviously Oregon State has had them at the extremely highest level you can go, and it's not exactly the desert there. Uh, what do you think is the issue? Because Utah is going to get their own park, but BYU has a you know beautiful facility and all that. I would, and they're going in the Big Twelve. I would like it to be where college baseball has more of a profile in our community. Yeah, um, that's probably a little tougher to speak to, uh, and that question only gets more and more complicated in terms of successful athletic programs it's gotten to the point where it seems as though you'll be successful if you are extremely good at recruiting and have a keen eye for determining talent uh, especially in this day and age of talent that is perhaps not at the top of everyone's pecking list because the people that are at the top are going to be very expensive and we we're learning very quickly that uh, college athletics is driven completely by the dollar um, in many ways and I'm you know I'm kind of generalizing but it's pretty simple to see that if you're the best player available and someone wants to pay you more, it's possible and likely that you'll end up somewhere else. And so uh, I think Utah athletics has that battle to face, number one. But historically, um, they've been competitive, as you said, but maybe not as consistently as, as a fan of, of Utah or BYU or Utah Valley or other uh, universities would want. And I think, yeah, that's clearly it's driven a lot by – a lot by weather. Some of the better teams are in the southern part of the United States, whether that's 
Florida, Texas, um, Louisiana, California, Arizona. The, the, some of the strongest, best talent every year seems to come from those parts. But what, what I do appreciate about Utah is there are so many uh, year-round teams now that have popped up, whether it's the Marshalls or, or others. There's facilities all over the Valley. There's former Major League players living in Utah. And so Utah is now becoming a place where baseball is played more regularly, even throughout the year. And I think that's really important because if you get one of these top prospects homegrown, the chances of them staying in Utah and BYU increases. Um, I don't think there's a direct correlation necessarily, but the more talent there is from the area, the better chance that some of that talent remains in Utah. So I think those are some of the factors to consider um, as to why college baseball has or has not been um, as successful in Utah over the years. At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters personally. If baseball, uh, if college programs in Utah aren't some of the best in the country, I don't think that has any direct correlation with how or, or how successful a professional franchise will be. There you go. Jeremy Guthrie, uh, a big league pitcher, obviously, and part of big league Utah. And, Michelle, I think it's critical they have guys like Jeremy Guthrie in on this because he can lend the expertise similar to John Buck, Dale Murphy. They're former major leaguers. They've played the sport. Mm -hmm. They can lend the insight of, okay, what does Salt Lake need to offer? If it comes to it, like the Millers and whoever else from this big league Utah group goes to them and says, what do we need to offer big league players? And the thing about Jeremy Guthrie, he's not that far removed from actually pitching in major league teams. He can tell them, okay, you need X, Y, Z here. You need to, these are amenities you need to offer from the get-go, and I, I think that's an advantage that Big League Utah's got here. Oh, 1,000%. you got to do whatever you can to get a leg up on Correct. the competition, yeah. and it sounds like the Millers have really considered that and have kind of put together you know, an A-team of people that not only know what's up in Utah and Salt Lake, mm -hmm. but they, they also know what's up elsewhere too Correct. yeah so. well okay here, here's here's the big question though michelle before we move on are you team smokestacks are you team no stacks i so the smokestacks kind of reminded me of um back back in murray city yeah yeah that that's immediately what I thought of is the old Murray smokestacks. Well, Lloyd, Lloyd Coles talked about it. Lloyd grew up in Murray, and they used to be called the Smelterites before they changed their – Murray High School used to be the Smelterites. Okay. You heard the Beat Diggers of Jordan? Yeah. Well, we had another good one we should have kept. It should have been the Smelterites. <laughs> it should still be the Smelterites for Murray High School. He's talked about that thing. Same thing, uh, Provo actually had uh, – they had a power station in Provo that had a very iconic uh, smokestack. They had a, they built a second one, but there was an iconic one yeah. there. They're iconic, and and PK mentioned this. We were talking about this. Every ballpark has got some unique feature to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you think of the bridge out there, uh, PNC Park for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've got uh, Chavez Ravine. They got the really cool video boards down there for for the Dodgers. You got so many different unique looks. Why can not? Why can the smokestacks not be that? And there are people that well, just use the mountains as the backdrop. The mountains are right there too, but you can have these smokestacks right there as well. I, I mean, I kind of get it because, like, it's just it doesn't feel very environmentally friendly. And when we're, you know, talking about our lake drying up and some of that kind of stuff, I don't sure. know. It maybe seems our smoggy air. Yeah. <laughs> it I, maybe, maybe, maybe we should perhaps think of something 
else. Turn them into bats, per se? I've been people that propose that, like re- revamp them to look like that. If you're going to have them, the, the only thing, if you're going uh, – I'll let you answer that in a second. The only thing I require, if they're going to keep them, is you better be shooting fireworks out of those suckers when you hit a home run, if, that, if this ultimately comes to fruition. There you go. That's a thought. I found myself wondering what if you did – like kind of a replica of Delicate Arch to bring the Red mm. Rocks up north and kind of have a full representation of, of Utah. Of Utah. Interesting, Michelle. And that's... it's it's a little more outdoorsy, yeah. which I think I think that's more what we should lean into rather than hmm. we love polluting our air and killing our lake. <laughs> Michelle, that's intriguing. I hadn't even thought about that. Well done on your part. Thank you. That's... It just came to me. But it's a good point. It'd be interesting. We'll see. It's still a ways off. Like, if this happens before 2030, I'll be stunned. Right. But, hey, we can dream. That's the thing we're doing. We're, we're dreaming. <laughs> dreaming big. All right. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get to five minutes of co- cover some of the other topics we have not had a chance to discuss on today's show. Uh, NBA playoffs begin. Uh, we got a lot to cover on that front. Also talk some RSL. We'll get to all that. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, Michelle, it feels like in some ways it creeped up on us, but the NBA playoffs are underway. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but with the play-in, it's an intriguing thing because you have these teams playing literally for their postseason lives. But it's literally, it goes right from playing game, finishes up, and the next morning you're, we're off and rolling. We've got uh, the Nets and the 76ers underway. Uh, you're also going to have, let's see, we got Hawks, Celtics today, Knicks, Cavaliers, and then Warriors, Kings. That's the setup for today. They're, the other four series will begin tomorrow. But the bigger thing I wanted to talk with you about here in our five minutes of part of the show is that there are intriguing storylines in these matchups because, like, for example, the Knicks Cavaliers, mm-hmm. typically that does not register in Salt Lake City at all. But it registers this year. Mm, yeah. Donovan Mitchell, now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, playing against the team, everybody, I mean, everybody thought he was going to the Knicks. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that could be a fun one. I I personally still quite like Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I think I, most people have like they, they respect him as a player. If they, if if you don't, I've got I'd be like, what are you what are you yeah. what are you doing? But it's just that one. Typically, New York and Cleveland are never going to be something. That, the only the most diehard of NBA fans here locally would be like in on that. But right. The Donovan Mitchell angle to it all, 
That honestly, I would like to see the ratings for that series in Salt Lake City as compared to their home markets because it's probably going to have it. Like they're going to be like, "Why is Salt Lake City tuning into this game?" Oh wait. <sighs> Donovan. Spider, Donovan Mitchell. Spider Mitchell. All right. Anyway, so uh, the other one I'm intrigued by tonight, Warriors-Kings, because the Warriors defending champs, and the Kings snapped a 16-year, the longest streak in, in pro sports of not going to the playoffs. They host their I-80 rivals. Is there, I think they call it the I-80 rivalry because between yeah. the Bay Area and Sacramento. it be interesting to see because, as I mentioned, the Warriors defending champs, they have been really bad on the road this year. Really good at home. And then the Kings, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention, have, by the numbers, the best offense in the NBA. Well, I mean, we had this conversation earlier in the year where I actually had to ask you if the Sacramento Kings still existed. Well, yeah. Because well, I just had not heard anything about them, like, in forever. No, they fell off the radar. They yeah. Absolutely. Great. So that, that makes it really hilarious the year that I have to even ask if they still exist. That they're, they're in the playoffs. They make it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah and they're, they're the three seed, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's a three seed versus six seed. But it, it's just so funny to me that, like, some of these storylines going into this. Uh, tomorrow, the matchups are the Lakers-Grizzlies. Uh, Lakers obviously squeezed in there as the seven seed. And John Morant and the Grizzlies have had all kinds of distractions this year. LeBron. What did John say? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Do you see the uh, John Morant countersued that that team that he punched in the face and like no yeah he countersued by the way like, there you have it ladies and gentlemen our third <laughs> technical foul for for the day I, and I, I if I recall reading the story he doesn't necessarily deny that he punched the kid either like in the in the countersuit <laughs> it's just like what is going wild um and then also uh clippers sons uh it's kevin durant versus russell westbrook former oklahoma city teammates for the first time ever playing in the playoffs against one another Jeez. should be interesting to see how that one shakes out but uh anything nba playoffs wise you're looking at to be honest no okay fair enough i, <laughs> I get it like, to be honest no i probably i really probably won't start watching until they get to the the actual finals and then i'll probably catch a game or two sure just to see how it all wraps up. Well, so the funny thing about the playoffs in the NBA is they're so long. It's, I, it is April 15th today. Do you know when the NBA finals actually start, Michelle? When they're scheduled to start? Like June? June 1. Yeah. We got a month and a half before that actually gets going. That And that's a big part, part of it. For I hate that you get seven games. Like... <laughs> Let's speed this up. You have one shot, mm-hmm. and if you don't get it, then move along. Um, I just i I don't have patience for it, and I know that it's the NBA milking every dollar. Mm-hmm. I really, for the most part, don't believe that a lot of these games really play out the way that they play out. I I think it's staged to sucker people in, get dollars. Um, stretch it out. I, I just, I, it, it, to me, it feels a little phony, but it's very WWE ish for Mm. me, but Michelle in on the conspiracy theories here, conspiracy theories, but, but, you know, I'll sit and watch, I'll sit and watch some of the last, usually, um, the, the two teams that make it through, but I just, I really don't have patience for the the alleged nail biter. Oh, oh, it's going to game miraculous. It's going to game seven. 
It was always going to game seven. You want my conspiracy theory? Basketball is the most easily manipulated sport in my mind of all of them officiating-wise. That's just my... Well, have you seen the documentary about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I. It's just... It's the way I've always felt about it. I I don't necessarily think that it's always... The fix is always in, but... Yeah. There are times I'm like... Huh. Hmm. That, that went an interesting direction. Yeah. Um, Real quick also, on the Utah Jazz front, real quick. We haven't spent a lot of time on the Jazz today, but they had their exit interviews. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Will Hardy, the Brain Trust got up there in front of the media on Wednesday, if I recall correctly. And they're saying they're looking forward to a, to a fun offseason. There, there's a bevy of possibilities out here for the Jazz. They have a they have their own lottery pick, obviously. They're going to be tracking that. Uh, they obviously have a ton of money to spend. It th- this offseason for the Jazz is going to be really, really intriguing to track from so many different angles. Because could they push all in on a rebuild right away and go and h- sign some big name free agent or trade for somebody? <clears throat> Damian Lillard. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I. Uh, I would love that. Well, I, I think most of Utah would love oh, yeah, that. Absolutely, and he he's essentially put Portland on notice. Like he's like, hey y'all, I'm getting up there. I'm. I think he's 33 now, which is crazy to think about. That's upsetting. I'm 33 too. I know, but 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 <laughs> but Dame feels like just yesterday he was the 21 year old star at Weber State coming out. It's. I I mean it does shock me that he's been in the league that long. And actually, I really did not realize that we are like the same age. I think he's thirty three. So it's right in that range. But he his career has been like so many instances of Portland. Like we're going in on this, and it falls apart. Yeah, the Jazz they could they could jumpstart if they could get him. If they could pry him out of Portland. It doesn't seem like Portland's in, intent on doing that at all. Right. I'm just saying that with the Jazz overall, is they've got they've got draft picks. They got cap room. They have got opportunity for guys to come in and star right alongside Lowry Markinen, Walker Kessler, and Ochai Abaji. There's a whole lot of intrigue with this Jazz squad for a team that's in the lottery. I will tell you what, because last week we were talking about the Jazz needing to find that like spark of mm-hmm. excitement the way that like Malone, sure. Stockton, yeah. Ostertag, Hornacek, like that group had. Bring in Damian Lillard and you might be on to something because he's already so wildly popular mm-hmm. from his time here at Weber State. People would be so into that. And on top of that, he's a great player. Well, we've talked also about Lowry Markkinen needing maybe potentially to be the Robin to somebody's Batman. You want to know who Batman is? Oh. Dame. Dollar Dame, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> like, that <laughs> dude is take no prisoners at all times, and I love him for it. It's just it's fun to watch him do his thing because he he scored seventy one points in a game this year. He's still he is still an absolutely elite player, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, wildly popular here. You you want a guy that can unify the community, jazz wise? Get freaking Damian Damian Lillard back here. Like Jimmer divides people here in this community. Yeah, Damian unifies them. Utes, Cougars, Aggies, Thunderbirds, Trailblazers. Insert. Whatever we got, Salt Lake Community, where the Bruins over there at Slick, yeah, Slick, the Badgers at Snow College, the USU Eastern, are they the Eagles now? I don't know, but they, he, he, every one of them is like, yeah, I, I'm in on Damien. Let's go. Well, red and blue makes purple, so Michelle's smart. Well, Listen to Michelle. Let's go. All let's right. go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap up today's show with some final thoughts. Uh, this is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. 
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Wrapping things up here on a Saturday. And Michelle, it's been a fun show. Yeah. You've covered a lot of stuff. There, I, there's been a nice smorgasbord of stuff it's going been a, on. It's been a very newsy week. It, 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 I, that term, I don't think it's used enough, but it, there's been a ton of things we could hit on. And a I think a cornucopia. On. Oh, yeah, cornucopia. Nice, <laughs> nice. Wordsmith over here. I like this. This is why she writes for KSLSports.com, and I just happen to you know, produce radio shows and talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, real quick before we go here on the show, uh, Real Salt Lake is in action tonight. Uh, I will not be on the pre-half and post-game show tonight. I have got some calm parental responsibilities. I've got a daughter who is going to be in a dance recital. Aww. So going to oh, – not dance recital, no, a cheer competition. So I will be listening to lots of very loud music. And lots of cheer routines going on, but it's fun all the same. She loves it, by the way. That's awesome. Like, I, I, I Michelle, you could have asked me when my daughter was born. She's now six, six years ago, and said, Jake, what do you think your daughter's ultimately going to want to do? I'm like, I don't know, soccer or something like that. She has taken to cheer like a duck to a water. She but, she kind of likes the, the girly girl. She Well, she's always been a yeah, girly girl is a good way to describe it. It's yeah. always been the way she's operated, but she's just she's got enough energy to kill another human being. It feels like I know it sounds bad. I don't I don't mean it in a bad way. She's, right? She's just full of energy. You know what? Talk to any gymnast, and it's the same. Like every single one of them. Well, I just had so much energy. My parents didn't know what to do with me, so they're like, "Well, how about something where it's okay to just bounce? Yeah, around." Nonstop, full, and, full bore energy. You're not going to hurt anything. And actually, you kind of learn how to not hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, you, you channel that energy. And luckily, it's kind of what my daughter's done with the cheer thing. We thought about putting her in gymnastics, but we did the cheer route, and she loves it so far. I mean, like, we talked to the top, top of the day show. My, brother, my son is playing football, kind of seeing what he ultimately likes to do. Yeah. It's just insane. I never expected this early on in her life to her be like, this is my passion. This is but, my thing. This is my jam. I like this. We'll we'll see where it goes. But my my only issue, and this is my only issue with it, I love supporting my daughter, and I will forever do that. I am a girl dad to the max. I am a softie around here. You can ask my wife. I don't get pushed over by a lot of people and a lot of things. She pushes every button (laughs) and gets away with it. But regardless, my only issue is it is so loud with the music. So loud. Yeah, cheer music. (laughs) Just... Just because of the way that cheer transitions to different places, in order to make it entertaining, you have to make the music loud. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I wear headphones on a daily basis. Like, I'm pretty sure I have permanent hearing loss to a level in my ears, but I don't leave the radio station. Like, we're here at KSL Broadcast House and our studios. I don't leave the radio station with tinnitus, as they call it, in my Uh ears. I leave cheer competitions. My ears are ringing for days afterwards. Oh, boy. I don't know. It's just that's my only qualm with it all. But uh, So uh, getting back to the original point, RSL on the road tonight at FC Dallas. Uh, Nice win last week. They needed to find some offense, and they found it in the second half. They scored three times in seven minutes. I get a 3-1 win and feel like, okay, maybe there's some more hope. Because trust me, I was like, wow, this could be a really, really long year uh, looking at it. But they're headed to FC Dallas. Uh, this is, used to be a place that RSL literally had never won. They've mm-hmm. since turned that around in the last few years. Road's going to be interesting to see how they respond uh, in tonight's match. It'll be a 5.30 uh, pregame show. 
Uh, funny enough, I got a little birdie who told me. Let me double check this real quick. I'm going to pull up my phone as I as I talk about this. Uh, but I would expect, yeah. Um, do you know who the Wall of the Wasatch is by chance? Yeah, it's. Uh, oh gosh, I just lost his name, but I see I can see his face. Nick Ramon. Yes, thank you. He is scheduled to be the color commentator on tonight's match right here on the KSL Sports Zone alongside David James. Fascinating. You can get one of the top goalkeeper, maybe not the, no, not maybe. In my opinion, he's the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer history. Nick was awesome. He is a pillar of this community, still lives here. He was actually out uh, filling up sandbags the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. He. Oh, that's awesome. Nick is, he, he, he is an elite athlete, but he's also just, he's one of the great dudes out there. You'll love to hear it. Yeah, so he'll be on the call tonight. Uh, I believe it'll be Spenno and Lauren, Spencer Warren and Lauren Beck, uh, who I usually do pre-half and post-game with. They'll do that as well. 5.30 pre-game, uh, 6.30 first kick down there in Dallas. Tune All in. Right. Let's, let's go RSL. All right. Any final thoughts from you? Uh, tune in to gymnastics. Oh, yes, we, 2 o'clock, yeah. We, we may have a national championship I coming sure home. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. They deserve it. It's been a long time coming. Go out and get it. Like carpe diem, right? Seize the day, right? Yes. Go do it. I, it, be just, it. It doesn't feel like that long ago that they won it, but it's been 28 years. I know. Crazy. All That's right. 30 years. That'll do it. For Michelle, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Tune back in uh, next week. Obviously, we'll have you covered everything going on on the Saturday show and throughout the week. Obviously, keep it locked right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. See ya. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.